All right. So in order for a tree to grow up tall and strong, it needs a good root system, providing it with nutrients and hydration. And these roots provide a strong foundation for the tree so the tree can stand up firm against adverse weather conditions and storms. That tree is me. It's cool, isn't it? Stuff like that just happens, right? That tree is me, and you are that root system. You have been that root system for me as I have pursued my education, believing in me, encouraging me, praying for me, providing financial resources so I wouldn't have to worry about how to pay for it. So I can't not thank each and every one of you enough for what you have done for me. And I stand before you today, an educated man with a Bachelor of Science in Biblical and Theological Studies. So. Thank you, thank you. But uh, don't be clapping for me, clap for you, because you're the real heroes behind all of that. So it's all of that stuff right there that I just said about y'all that uh, I really appreciate. But this process has not been easy. Uh, there have been some growing pains involved in this whole thing. Um, there's been a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure out how to manage ministry and school assignments and family. Being a husband, father, and now grandfather, I have, thank you, I have spent, <laughs> have spent time reading and writing stuff you know, and they have books that don't have pop-ups in them that you actually have to read all that stuff, right? But I've spent time reading and writing stuff instead of, you know, doing stuff with family. And uh, that's, been, that's been pretty painful, watching them not, or not being able to do that and watch them do stuff. But it's taken me so long to finish because I'm about ministry first, if you know me then I'm about uh, doing ministry first and uh, I've always put school on the back burner. So it's taken me, it's taken me a, a few extra years to uh, get through that. <clears throat> and uh, someone once said, well, you know, you just have to stop doing ministry to learn how to do ministry. And I just thought, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I know education is really important. I understand that. But people are more important to me. So, so growth, can, uh, growth can sometimes be painful. Now, when you were in your adolescent years, did you ever uh, get, you know, have things that just hurt because you were growing up? I know I did. I go to the doctor and they were like, oh, that's just growing pain. In the mid to late 90s, I was heavy into bodybuilding. I know you can't tell that now, but uh, why are y'all laughing so hard at that one? <laughs> but when you work out, you know, your muscles get sore. And, you know, you have to have that pain to, to make gains in your life. So 
Growing can be kind of painful. So we're in this series called Sent, and we're looking at the book of Acts. And we're talking about the church. Now the gospel of Jesus Christ is being shared, and God is on the move, and he's doing great things, and he's adding daily to the number that's being saved. Now the church is growing, and the church is having some growing pains. The apostles have been put in prison. They've been released from prison. They've told not to share the gospel anymore, but they're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to do, we're going to share the gospel anyway. Sin has entered into the church and now they have another issue that the church has to deal with. So they're having some growing pains. And our scripture this morning comes from Acts 6, 1 through 7. You can find that in 1086. In your pew Bible. This morning I will be reading from the NIV because I like the way this one, I like the way this one reads. But you can follow along in the uh, in the pew Bible and it will, uh, you can see the differences in the two versions. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to, to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them so that the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Let's pray together. Great God, this past Wednesday, we celebrated Ash Wednesday where we came face to face with our mortality. We remember that from dust we were created and dust we shall return. So from these lips of clay that you made with your hands, bring forth the message and let your words set fire to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In those days, in verse 1 it says, in those days the number of disciples were increasing. Luke reiterates the fact that the church was growing and it was growing rapidly. This Jerusalem Christian community they were experiencing some growing pains. They were increasing in number, and they were having some administrative problems doing it. Now, we go through growing, growing, growing pains in the life of the local church, don't we? Now, growth is great. It's awesome. It's, after all, it's, it's what we're called to do. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to get it, and we're supposed to give it away, and then other people get it. And then they want to serve, and they want to 
be in ministry. They want to take the gospel. If they want to get it, they want to give it away. And it sounds really good in theory, doesn't it? That sounds really good. But there was a problem. And here's the problem. Verse 1, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The growing pains they were having in this particular instance where people were falling through the cracks. Now, if you have ever fallen through the cracks in a church or if you have fallen through the cracks in this church, let me just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's happened to you. And if it's happened here, we will, we will fix that. We will make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. The Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking Jewish Christians, they were complaining because the Hebraic Jews, the Aramaic-speaking Christian people, were leaving their widows out of the daily distribution of food. These Greek-speaking Jewish Christians, scholars believe that they were part of the diaspora, those who have been dispersed throughout uh, Israel's history through exile or through military where they were spread out in the vast armies like those of David's time or for political reasons. And these Jews have come back to live in the holy city. The men wanted to come back to the holy city and live so that they could die there, which was great for them, but that would leave their widows without husbands in a way to be provided for. So they were attracted to the church because the church took care of people. So the widows were attracted to this church, and so there was a great number of them. And so the church took responsibility to take care of him. Now, there were two different kinds of distribution. There was one for residents, which consisted of money enough for 14 weeks, or 14 weeks, I'm sorry, uh, 14 meals a week, and then one for non-resident transient people, which consisted of food and drink, and they would take these from homes to homes as they had need, kind of like Meals on Wheels. Anybody ever done Meals on Wheels? Meals on Wheels, much like that. Because of language barriers, Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews, the communication was off. So their widows fell through the cracks. They had these language barriers and they talked different. Is anybody from the north? Anybody from the north? All right. So y'all know it's hard for y'all to understand a southerner sometime, right? Okay. Same way with us Southerners, you know, when y'all go to Park the Kai, right? It's, it's, a little, it's a little different. We're like, Park the what? Okay. So they had these language barriers. And they also had custom barriers, too. Well, they might have dressed different, talked different, might have dressed different. You know, and you just don't want to hang out with somebody that dresses weird, right? You don't want to hang out with people like that. So they created separation in the church. They were not unified. They had this group and they had that group. Now, we have all kinds of ways that we communicate nowadays. Like back then, they just couldn't take out their phone and tweet, you know, 
and be like, oh, we're left out again. Or put the nasty gram on Facebook. Anybody know what the nasty gram is? Where you blurt out all of the stuff that's going on in your life and you're like, oh, woe is me kind of thing. You put this nasty gram on there talking bad about people with all of these hashtags, right? Left out, hashtag left out again. Hashtag help a sister out. So they had growing pains in communication. Now, it was not intentional on the part of the church. It was part of the Hebraic uh, Jewish Christians because they were in charge of the distribution. So it wasn't like they were doing this intentionally. They were inadvertently uh, leaving people out. And the apostles knew that something had to be done. So verse 2 says, the 12 gathered all the disciples together. The, the, the apostles gathered all the disciples. They gathered all the church together. They didn't form a committee. No committee. They didn't uh, appoint a dictator to take care of this. No, they gathered all of the church together. And they wanted them to be in participation and they wanted them to have input into the solution. This goes back to Acts 2.44 where they were all together and had everything in common. It emphasizes their unity. They were separated. Hellenistic, Hebraic, and now they wanted them to come together and choose some people to do this. So they wanted to take care of their growing pains and they wanted all of the disciples to be united in light of their present circumstances. And then they said in verse 3, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. Now, they're not saying that they were above waiting tables. That's not what they were saying at all. What these apostles had was unique. They had been with Jesus. They were witnesses. They were eyewitnesses to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So what they had was unique. They walked with him. They talked with him. They learned from him. Now, waiting, waiting tables is a noble profession. Has anybody ever waited tables before? I have not done that. I'm going to put my hand down because that's not me. I don't wait tables. I wouldn't wait at tables because, you know, if somebody you know, said something, I would probably, you know, put spaghetti on their head or something. Or, oh, you need more drink. There you go. Get it out of your lap kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a noble profession, and I appreciate people that can do that. I just can't. God's working on me with that kind of thing, right, with that attitude. But God bless you if you've ever done that. But the apostles, their job was first and foremost to preach the gospel because they hadn't read it in a book. They didn't get it in a seminary class. They walked with the master himself and they learned from him. They learned from Jesus. So they needed people to wait on tables. Now, table here is a metaphor for food. Like we invite people every Sunday to come to the table. We don't necessarily invite them to come to this piece of wood, we invite them to come to this table, the food that's on it, the bread and the cup, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus. That's what we invite them to. We, we 
we invite them to remember the sacrifice. So we know the problem. Now we get the proposal. Verse 3, brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. The number seven here is significant because Jewish ancient councils consisted of seven members. Seven was the representative number of completeness. Now they had qualifications to be in this role too. One of them was to be full of the spirit. They should exhibit an outward manifestation of the fruit of the spirit. We find that in Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Do you know what are they? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Don's got them over there. Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Self-control, that's a bad one. Against these things, there is no law. What's the second qualification? Full of the Spirit and wisdom. They should be wise. They should be good administrators. They should be good stewards managing charitable donations. And they should make sure that everyone is taken care of. Bringing them all together. They said, we will turn this responsibility over to them. And verse 4 said, and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So they turned over the task of distribution of food to the seven, and the apostles devoted their attention to prayer and ministry of the word. Ministry in the Greek, diakonia. And it is a role especially done in service to others. And the Greek word for the word is logos. And that is message. That is more specifically the message, the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that was their unique role as they had walked with him and talked with him and lived with him and learned from him. Now it was time for them you know, even though waiting tables is a noble profession, taking that word out into the world was their unique role. And then it says in verse 5, this proposal pleased the whole group. Now, you better underline that part, put a little star by it, highlight it, because that's probably the last time that the church was ever unified on any decision. But what's important to know is that the congregation chose these men. The apostles made the proposal, but the congregation chose them. And then they brought them to the apostles, and they laid hands on them, and they prayed for them. And then we get the payoff. We had the problem and a proposal. Now we have the payoff. Verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. They took care of their growing pains by coming together to solve the problem. 
They did it through unity, guided by the Holy Spirit. And the word of God spread. Now, how does that apply to us as a church? I believe that God desires us to grow. If we focus on growing together deeper in faith, closer through fellowship, and stronger through service, sharing the gospel and all that we do, God will bring to us numeric growth. Now, I'm not talking about numeric growth where there's just people in the pews, right? We shouldn't be concerned with just numbers. What we should be concerned is with is taking care of people's lives, sharing the gospel with them, and changing their life. Because that's what Jesus does. He changes lives. And that's the payoff. To God be the glory.